Hi, everyone, and welcome to Debatable, the podcast breaking down controversial topics, unpopular opinions, and social issues one conversation at a time. You are hosted by me, Crystal Andrews, writer, author, and founder of ZFeed. So today I am joined by Josh Jansen, who is a co-creator and co-host of The Daily Talk Show, which, honest to God, is one of my favorite podcasts and actually the only video podcast that I ever watch. So, Josh, welcome to the uh, debate bench. <laughs> uh, thank you. No, but this, I mean, yeah, this, uh, the, uh, the idea of being at the debate bench scares me a little bit. But um, Yes, yeah, step up. Uh, yeah. No. That's okay. <laughs> Um, we met in, oh my God, it was January this year, wasn't it? No, I think surely it was not. January was it really this year. 2020? Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. It was 2018. <laughs> That's how far off I am. Is it re- was it really this year? Were you in Melbourne this year for it? Yeah, I was in Melbourne in January doing your show to promote mm-hmm. my book. And mm-hmm. that was, so what, four months ago? It feels like, yeah, two years ago. Yeah given everything that's happened. But I've never I never actually have told you guys this, but after I left after I left the studio and I um was headed back to the airport to get back home to Sydney, I was getting like more and more worked up about the inter- about the interview that I just given you guys and I actually um called my boyfriend from the cab and I was like I just fucked that up. It was a disaster. It was so bad. By the time I got home to my apartment I was literally in tears. He was like, what happened? I'm like, I can't, you can't, you the have daily, to listen the daily talk to show it experience. <laughs> I was absolutely distraught. And then I listened to it and it was completely fine. What do you think it was? I don't know. I think it's the video. Maybe it is the mm-hmm. video. Yeah. I think the other thing too is it's a willingness. I think that we ask questions and we don't always expect everyone to have answers. Like I feel like potentially like you are very uh, organized and thought through and thorough. And so the idea of us just like we would be flippantly ask a question, like we had a conversation on um, today's episode of the show where we're talking about space and the moon landing and stuff and just talking stuff that we know is probably not right and we're happy to just put it out there, whereas I feel like you're a little bit more considered. Yeah, I really have a, a hard time saying things that I'm not sure are right or wrong. Yeah. I really yeah. fucking That's a good quality, I think. <laughs> Maybe we should well, take that on and um, you know, apply that to just, ourselves. I'll just um, fact check you guys in the comments of, of YouTube. <laughs> so if you're ever unsure, just. <laughs> yeah, we'll check out that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, but the topic I, I wanted to get into you, into with you today is about gender biases in content yes. creation and consumption. And I guess by that I, I just mean whether or why content that's created or hosted or presented by a woman is almost invisibly labelled as being for women, mm-hmm. whereas I don't think the same applies in reverse. Um, and, you know, I really value and admire you as a content creator and a creative content creator is a, a yucky term but I just kind of wanted to tease that idea out with you mm. and see what you thought because yeah. obviously coming to that um coming into that creative space as a man is quite different to probably what I've experienced as a woman I mean it's pretty well accepted that men are less likely to read books that are written by women and anecdotally I would say it kind of feels like the same is true for newer mediums like podcasts or YouTube channels and all the rest of it. So to start with, I'd love to know how you approach creating your work and how mm. much you think about the intended audience when you're kind of like planning yeah, planning what you're going to do. Yeah, I think we think about the audience a lot. On the uh, on, on unconscious bias stuff, I think um, I was never thinking about it until I sat next to an HR department at a tech company and tech skews uh, heavily in sort of the male area in regards to engineers and things like that. Mm. And I remember having a fair bit of pushback around like, what does this mean? Like, what do we, what does this mean? Like I, I just couldn't necessarily understand 
like I guess because it's unconscious, it's very it's very hard to understand it. And so I think um uh yeah, it, it's been a journey in realizing how important it is to think about unconscious bias. So in regards to audience, um yeah, we're constantly thinking about what is the audience wanting to hear. And I think that we look at it from a more holistic perspective, not just around gender, but uh, like diverse ideas. So how do you get Mm. diverse ideas? You need like diverse people. I think that we fall into the trap of going into our inner circle. And I think if you look at the inner circle, I think that we don't necessarily have that diverse range. And so we have made an active effort um, to look outside the interesting thing is, like the feeling that you had coming on the show, it is an actual, It's it requires extra energy for us to have different people on, which is a confronting idea. But when you have someone who speaks like you, they respond like you, they have similar opinions to you, it's very easy to have a conversation. And when you, uh, you know, bring in people who are different, there's a certain um, energy that goes along with that, which is like, oh, it's a, um, yeah, it's it's just a different way way of thinking. And so, yeah, we d- we've definitely been thinking more about who we have on as guests, um, you know, to the point where um, you know, we have like data and graphs and things like that that we sort of lean on, not even necessarily for like if I wanted to be um, seem like some sort of hero i'd be like oh this is for representation it's really like a business decision because um i think like diverse diversity is good for for business having like if we look at our top episodes i think the top 10 episodes like 80 percent of them uh, have women in the apps and so yeah that's really um, interesting yeah so i think yeah it's something that we're always thinking about and i think that sometimes uh, because we don't necessarily consider ourselves that big of a podcast, we didn't at the early stages think that it was something like our responsibility. And it was someone actually uh, did a comment and they were like, hey, it was, um, it'd be great if you had more women on your podcast. Does someone actually say that? How yeah. how far in? Because w- how far into the podcast was this? What which uh, it would have been like four hundred, yeah, probably like three or four hundred episodes in. But then I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Uh, this person respects us and values us enough to think that us having certain guests on would actually have any impact." And so that was when <clears throat> that was when I was like, "Okay, maybe as a team, we're like, maybe we should be looking at this." And oh, let's have a look. The last ten guests we've had. Seven have been male, like white males. Um, how do we do it in a like non-tokenistic way? I think that that's like a huge barrier is trying to not do it in a way that feels token. And that's, I guess, where it comes back to, as you were saying, finding people who have different subject matter that they speak on or who are doing different things as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of like going down a list and saying, you know, we've had five guys so now we need a woman and then we need a brown person and then we need you know a differently abled person it's like don't do it like that but just look at the actual ideas that they would bring to like it seems offensive to have someone on a show based on those criteria and so i don't know necessarily the answer because i think that part of it is if we wanted I think that the reality is that the caliber, like, so in certain industries, say if you take like um, entertain, oh, comedy, uh, there's, it's like heavily skewed uh, male. And so then if we get like a high caliber guest from a male perspective, the interesting thing is like there's not necessarily the same pool of women available. And so I, I've found that you you don't necessarily get top tier in that regards because they're just in such high demand. Yeah, and I suppose there isn't a pool, there isn't as big a pool as you say as well because there are also systemic forces that kind of work mm. to stop them getting as high up the chain as 
as the guys do in yeah. a lot of industries. Or seeing, I guess, seeing how um, or, like or to have to... as much visibility. Maybe that's yeah. a better word. It's like not success, but to have the more visibility is sometimes you're kind of blocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like it's it's funny because I would agree with you. You know, I would agree with you on paper and in theory that for me with this podcast or with articles and stories that I write or, you know, content I'm creating for social media, it should be as simple as finding the kind of variety of voices that you want to feature and making sure that they, you know, that they're bringing something to whatever it is that you're creating. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind all the time, and it has has been there for like as long as I've worked in media, I've been so conscious of the fact that if I if I only have female guests on this podcast, mm-hmm. it's going to self-select the audience down to it, to the point where it's mostly women listening to the podcast, even though the subject matter is completely genderless. We're not mm-hmm. talking about things that are traditionally in, I suppose, the female domain. And so it's it's like almost exhausting for me to try and this is going to sound like an insult to you now actually now that I've thought about it but it's almost exhausting to try and find men and male voices to include Mm -hmm. to try and make sure that I can keep myself open to as broad an audience as possible Mm -hmm. now having said that I don't just have you on here because you're a man (laughs) that's cool I'm happy that's the first time (laughs) this is good first time you've been a token a token inclusion (laughs) yeah yeah I'm happy to be a token inclusion. This is quite exciting. <laughs> but it's like this thought that just it plays in my head all the time. Like I kind of have to keep it really even keel and make sure I'm talking to as many men as I am women. Um, is that because of representation of ideas or is it because of thinking about audience? For me, it's thinking about audience and maybe I kind of, you know, go down, maybe I focus too much on that. Um where I like started my career in media was at a magazine called Box and it was a luxury lifestyle magazine. So not specifically fashion, but it would kind of touch on like, you know, entertainment, fashion, architecture and design, like quite broad in subject. And it was, yeah, I would say it was a male skewed audience. So planning content for that, I always had to really make sure that I was going outside of maybe what I naturally wanted to see because I need to think about the perspectives of the readers who were reading the magazine, the majority of which were older men, kind of like, you know, 40 plus. Yeah. So I wonder if that's kind of like contributed to always thinking about how do you stay as open to as many people as possible and not and not shutting them out. Not that I think that men should be turning away from content that is made by, made by women, but I just wonder why that is. Yeah. I'm, I remember like uh, one of the – uh, one of the memories I have of realizing the importance of I'm not necessarily always the audience. So I think like that's like one of the considerations is it's like, are you the audience? Um, and when I was w- working at this tech company, I did a post where I was um, looking after social media and I did like an iPhone or Android post and I hashtagged it uh, first world problems. And we were on a marketplace, a digital marketplace, where we had uh, people from all around the world yeah, uh, in developing countries, going. all that sort of thing. And someone sent me yeah. an email going, hey, you can't, um, you can't say that. Like, we've got people all in these developing countries. And it, may, it, it did – it's exhausting as a creator. I don't think that you could do it all the time. I don't think – like, so if I used that sensitivity uh, all of the time – the daily talk show would be an absolute pain to produce because I'd be like, I can't talk about how I'm pissed off at my Uber Eats driver or like rider or uh, that I didn't finish my food or like anything that would be completely fine within the context that we're in because like on the other side of things, there are people going hungry. And so if you take the, if you take that approach, if you're like, okay, your audience is everyone or you need to be sensitive to everyone. It's like uh, all of a sudden the story I was going to tell about how I hate my I-30, I can't tell because it's like I'm so lucky to have a car 
I'm so lucky to to be in this country, like all of that sort of thing. So I remember that being a moment and it it always starts in the same way, which is like that sick feeling that you've been told off, but then like going to this person's oversensitive and then working my way down to a place of, okay, like where does this come from? Like what maybe there is a point. Yeah, kind of working through those levels until you get to a realisation that maybe there is something there. Yeah. Do you notice different types of feedback from like male listeners versus female listeners? Female listeners are way more engaged as a community than male listeners. I reckon there's like a clear reason why uh, there are products specifically designed for women because I think that it's a wildly engaged audience that give back in spades where I think that like if I do a a post and I ask for feedback, I reckon like so to give you an idea of our numbers, the um, demographics on Spotify because they give us demographics, 55% are women that listen to our show, 45% male and it's the same for our Instagram as well. So if you look at it like, okay, Spotify could be a little bit female skewed, same with Instagram. It's probably like a 50-50 split. The feedback, it's it's amazing. Whenever we have women on the show, we get so much uh, positive feedback for like every single episode, even ones where we're like, I don't know if we did that great with asking questions there or whatever. And then we'll get people contacting and saying that was my favorite episode and so i think that that shows the power of representation or in the broader scheme of things from a content perspective some of our shittest shows will get feedback and be like that was the best one and so it's very hard to judge yeah i, I wouldn't i it's wouldn't know fun. what to do yeah with something that you thought was really not one of your best and then to get overwhelming feedback that it was fucking fantastic yeah that would mess with me (laughs) yeah and I think the other thing is it's the um so people love tension and sometimes tension where it like I'm being challenged like listeners love that and so it can feel shit for us um but it could be great for the guest like uh, we did like company values like when we first started the business and the one that I can remember because, you know, you create values and you forget about them, which is like the cliche. Yeah, I think Um, I've got like a document saved on my laptop somewhere of like mission and values and all this shit I never look at. (laughs) And so, yeah, for, for us, it's like the one that we always go back to is like celebrate others because that I think is like a, it's a very easy thing to do. And I think that when you are celebrating others, Uh, I think that you then consider representation. So it's like, okay, going into every conversation with what is interesting about this person. But, yeah, it's a a fine balance. Like we would have in the early days when we were having guests on, I was so sensitive as I would have anxiety before having a female guest on because I was worried that we weren't going to – do that episode justice so i would have a talk with all of us and i'm like i'm saying this for myself as much as like for everyone in the room but like let's remember that this person is a ceo this person is the same caliber as x y and z who we've had on the show and you think we talked numbers we talked profit and loss like let's make sure that we go into yeah let's go into the business rather than falling into this thing we can just that can happen which is a bit of a shit show where it's um very surface level and i feel like that like that is the unconscious stuff it's like it can still be positive you can be celebrating someone but we could be like oh how fun like geez that chick was fun wasn't she fun she was lovely yeah yeah she was lovely or like yeah she could like just good banter or whatever whereas um yeah i think that it was making sure that we're we're matching to the their experiences and their CV and uh, not falling into the unconscious bit of their gender. Which is ultimately the reason why you'd even have them like on a show anyway is to talk mm. about the thing that they do. 
really well, whatever that is, and not to kind of like, I mean, yeah, you also want it to be an enjoyable experience and you also Mm. want it to be entertaining, but it's not like you're not really having people on outside of your own circle, like just Mm. for fun. Yeah, and I, I think that, but it's so unconscious. And so that's why it's like important to consider because you can have someone in and then just by the way they look or that, you know, the way they present themselves, uh, you know, like for instance, we had, um, gone blank on his name now, the um, Booktopia CEO. Tony with, Nash. That's him, right? Yeah, Tony yeah. Nash. Yeah, which I loved the chat that we had with I, him. I loved that episode as well. I actually yeah. recommended um, it to quite a few friends. Yeah, he's great. Like, but the thing is that he has the posture of a of a CEO, right? He like yeah. he's he had the suit on. He's and the it was just like yeah, he's, well, he's what you'd expect to get. Yeah, it's like the board. Yeah, it's like oh, you could imagine him be the chairman of the board or whatever. And like that's it's all well and good, but you also have to look at the the downside when uh, with the where you have you know different types of guests that might look different or sound different to what you would expect of a CEO. But it was great because, um, you know, it's like we wear our hoodies. <laughs> we just, we we do the thing that we do. And so, like, I think that, um, I think why I loved that chat was because it was a bit fish out of water or it's like you can imagine him on 2GB or something, you know, doing some sort of AM segment being interviewed and we're just, like, asking outrageous questions and, but do you think that, like, do you feel that you have more space to ask those outrageous questions and to just kind of like go off, go offline and throw it a little bit out of left field? Yeah. Because you're all guys. Like, if that was three women hosting, mm-hmm. a, like, if doing the exact same thing as you guys, and this mm-hmm. is like, this is not a question to catch you out, but just yeah, like yeah. genuinely no, no, no. interested to think whether it would be like perceived the same because that because that makes me think of like your style mm-hmm. is like very much taken from radio mm-hmm. you know radio teams where it's like two or three people that we can really get to know lots about you lots about the guests that you have on but it's really like the relationship between the three of you that i would say is the reason why like people keep coming back and why you've built such an amazing little community around the show mm-hmm. And then there are so few radio shows in Australia that would be all female teams, like all female yeah. hosts. Yeah. There I always think, um, has to be like yeah, it's, there, there's always a guy, yeah. at least one, you know. Yeah. And so no, do think, you get away with that a little bit more? Uh, like I, there, there's a hundred, but like when we went to, like we've gone to New York and we've gone to Los Angeles twice to do the show. We've gone to Sydney it is harder secure. It is a harder sell to say, "Hey, uh, will you come on our podcast?" We're at the um, Ovalo Hotel. We're in this room. We've set up cameras. Can you come and be on our podcast? It is a lot harder to get female guests on than yeah, to get that male. Sounds, that sounds like some hardy language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, there. Like so, I mean, that's that's the, the safety slash. You know, that's a safety element in regards to being hosts. I think that, yeah, we've definitely, from a character perspective, there are examples of us already out there with slightly different versions. People say, oh, like, I love you boys. Like, that's there's, there's the boys. I've never been, like, part of the boys. So it's exciting, you know, like, <laughs> we reference as one of the boys. Congrats, but, um, congrats, you made it. Yeah, yeah, it's boy. Big. Um, <laughs> and so, no, I think that there is a, yeah, I think that potentially um, when I listen to uh, people speak, like when I when I listen to interviewers, it feels like uh, women are more researched or maybe have to put that up as a way of um, fixing the imbalance of respect. Whereas what we've done is we've done over 740 shows. And so at this point, we've done this many shows so that we can be like, oh, you're coming to our house. We know like we're going to wear what we want to wear. We're going to talk about what we want to talk. We're going to be respectful, but we're going to set the tone 
And so I don't know how easy it is if if we uh, were an all women uh, group. I think that would have to to be honest. If I think about like the all female hosts, they normally like if you think about the cate- categorization. Think about like call her daddy. You have sort of like the um. Have you been following that saga? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I've gone song. like deep, deep dived into it. Deep dove, deep dive, deep dove. Anyway, I've um I spent a lot of time on YouTube, uh, consuming all their content, and it's funny like they fit into a specific role that is existing within I think the female space. Like even though it seems like ah, oh, it's uh risky content. It plays into the like, you know, um, you know how would it be framed? It's like that sort of slutty sort of uh, chicks talking yeah, about sex and empowered, fucking and empowered yeah. sexuality, right? It's like we're gonna we're gonna do but this. Even, but it, it feels like it's um, it definitely got a male skewed. Like I, I'm curious about what their numbers would be if they're on like Barstool Sports, which is a um, predominantly what male like college age student um it's like the male gaze of podcast like of audio <laughs> there's uh-huh. there's no gaze like it's not visual but it is very much like oriented for what straight guys find titillating how do you feel about that con- when you see content like that women being like outrageous or like very open with their sexuality how do you, what's your natural response i um i genuinely like don't i don't mind it and i i almost think that if if a large portion of men are listening to that it's a good thing that they're hearing if it's specific if we're talking specifically about sex and kind of like smart topics mm-hmm. it's good for men to hear women's perspectives on that because the narrative around that has really been dominated by the male perspective for like quite a long time. And so is that appealing to women then? Is that But they can't just stop there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because there are so many more perspectives on it, which I guess that's like how I just try to, you know, consume content on all platforms is what is just seek out what I find challenging. Mm-hmm. and then find what like the counterpoint to that would be and then what the counterpoint to that would be and so you can kind of like get a well-rounded picture of it. I don't think a lot of people would probably consume like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people probably should. But, yeah, that specifically I, I think is a good thing. That's kind of my point of view more generally is like I think we'd be – I think society would be in a better place if more men consumed – content and media that was created by women just to get another perspective on their Mm -hmm. fucking like worldview that's just been reinforced for you know for centuries definitely yeah i think that that's that's one area that i think that i've been lucky with which is yeah i think i have consumed like i was listening to shameless before shameless were like what they are right like when yeah yeah and so um you know those type, but, but, but I think that part of it is a natural curiosity based on audience stuff as well. So it's like I was listening to that, having not listened, like watched The Bachelor or any of the stuff they were talking about. But um, yeah, I think that it's like for me that that's the ultimate people watching. It'll be interesting to see whether podcasting can sort of break through its current cliches. So I have a huge pushback to true crime and the sort of hysteria that I feel like happens around true crime. Um, and I feel like that's very gendered. Like if you look at, uh, if you look at true crime, it like heavily, heavily mm-hmm. sways female uh, listenership. Have huge you looked into that? audiences, Yeah huge what do you think the um what's the what's the appeal the reason behind it Mm. i feel my i should caveat this by saying like i don't know if this really is is the case you don't have to do that that. i never do that (laughs) just make it up that's my that's my bad habit here's my (laughs) bold statement 
<laughs> I think that women are very curious about crime because there is that element of it could happen to you. Yeah, sure. And women and, and a lot of the true crime stuff, right, is it's the weird and the wonderful and the fucking fascinating, but it's usually people who know, like it's people perpetrating crimes against others that they know. And, you know, statistically women are most likely to be harmed by someone, mm-hmm. not by a stranger, you know what I mean? It's by someone they yeah. already know. So there's, there's this like morbid curiosity about, that happening to other people. It's relatable. It's yeah. relatable content. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Um, the, um, so that, that's what I think is behind the true crime th- thing. And then the more that it, the more women that listen to it means the more women that are recommending it. So I do think that kind of creates a bit of a waterfall effect as well of women recommending something, other women relate to that <laughs> and will then enter the new medium. But men hear that recommendation and kind of just go, well, okay, well, that seems like it's for chicks. So mm. I'm going to go you find my own thing. think to say women like drama? Where does that cliche come from? Probably because drama is normally an error in communication, right? Mm-hmm. And, and women are the communicators. <laughs> yeah. So we're probably more interested in that and more kind of fascinated by where the breakdown happened and what's right and what's wrong about it. That's where I think yeah. it is. Whereas men don't seem to be, men are generally unfussed by the way they communicate, broad generalization, mm-hmm. but I feel like that is kind I of think behind that I it. Have, yeah, I, no, I agree. I think that that's, I reckon I am way skewed in a lot of ways. To, like when I was a kid, all female friends, part of the sticker club, just so many things that were, female focus i remember like when i was um i wanted to uh someone had a, a book club at a, at a old company i worked at and i said hey oh, like i put my name down um it was like the way that it was described on slack was it was like uh, uh we're reading lean in by cheryl sandberg and um i put my name down and the person who was running it uh she she was a good friend of mine she came up to me and said hey like I know this, like she's someone who <laughs> super duper like um, pro diversity, like on panels doing all like, you know, uh, very legit in that space. She goes, I know this is probably not PC, but I know because it's you, I can say this, but uh, you're the only dude in the whole, you know, 200 person company that's put their name down. Do you, would you be cool not to come? <laughs> Just because I think that it would, um, like I think it could, we could create sort of a safer space if you weren't there. Oh, which oh I, my I, god! The uninvite actually, from the book club. Yeah, I know. Which yeah, and now I'm trying to build my own, um, not necessarily successfully. Yeah, but yeah I think going? that. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole yeah. other issue. You definitely like that. It's not surprising to learn this about you because I definitely get that vibe that you are, like you are a true communicator, and I think you're quite good at reading people's emotions and like their high high eq which is funny because like i've been being described recently like people have said like you aren't i think that it could come across self let's look at like self-awareness it could come across as not self-aware because i'm willing to communicate things that might not necessarily be the most comfortable for everyone in the room, but I feel like it is the best thing from a communication perspective. And that's not saying like, it's not necessarily, it definitely, it's a superpower, but it's like, like a lot of superpowers. It's like highly, highly destructive. It's like even, um, uh, I think with our community building, I have taken such a, part in trying to nurture it and make it work and I'm not necessarily like a social like I'm someone who has a few friends but I like I think had a lot of pushback growing up to that um big friendship groups has mm. been interesting just um understanding how do you create what is the difference but like this whole the community friendship like it it all blends in that's an interesting point, though, about the community because, again, 
this is something that we and like I mean you've mentioned Shameless and like there are a few mm-hmm. other really great Australian podcasts as well that are created and helmed by women who also mm-hmm. have like the community building the community built on the side of it which I think is something that does come quite naturally to to most women but there's still like even I consider you know I'll listen to certain podcasts and I've had the comment made t- to me as well a couple of girls with a microphone just talking about shit mm-hmm. which is literally yeah, your podcast yeah <laughs> well I mean the thing is it's interesting because I think that that's one so one area that I think like I think we are the walking cliche I think that especially in podcasting, it's like there's no denying that two blokes with a microphone has been done to death in regards to radio. It's been like the the biggest radio names. It's radio. So someone who is uh, very, very uh, well-respected and high up in the talent space, so talent management, who manages uh, one of the biggest um, – you know, contracts in regards to talent that's currently on radio. And uh, he said multiple times, like, so when we started the show, he said, nothing, nothing new here, guys. Like, you need to, like, two guys, like, we don't need another podcast with two guys talking, basically. And then even the feedback, like, he sent another email recently, which was like, hey, think the show's great. Uh, that uh, Mason character, he seems uh, really great too. Uh, there'd be a huge, uh, huge amount more of commercial viability if you were to replace him with a female. Have you thought about doing that? Really? And, and so, I, I get like if you if you look at um, a lot of the um, like if you go to regional towns or anything like that, it's the male female combo. Yeah. Um, I think I think that the perspective would be if you saw our artwork or if you saw our website or if you saw uh, anything, I think that you'd think it's a show for blokes. Don't you think? Like it's quite masculine, the wood in the background, you've got the blue. Gives that vibe. Yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, if, like I feel like what we're trying to do is the the new thing, which is like, you know, Triple M would say like we're for people who piss standing up and, you know, it was like a very, you know, blokey um, offering revolving around sport. And so what I wonder is like, okay, what would it look like to have male hosts that are not dogmatic in their approach so they're not playing into the cliche of we're just blokes talking and then bring in different voices to, you know, elevate the conversation. I wonder yeah, if that's like actually evolve that trope to make yeah. it to make it constructive and make mm-hmm. it actually additive to the people who are listening, as opposed to just playing into it as yeah. a straight up like cliche. Yeah, and the thing is that it, um, like you brought it up. Like I remember we we were doing an episode where it's like. I think that like tits got a mention. Like, there was a few things that oh, all yeah, got a mention right. in one episode. Yeah, it was and, a like, bit problematic. Like, tits and pussy chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was slightly, and you 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 were saying it was slightly problematic not having um, a female there. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like you're hundred percent. Like it's 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 so funny because not even this deliberate thing. And then like for me, it's like if you look at the like I think that we listen to our audience. Um, we're just actually really um, shit when it comes to certain things. And one of them is guests, like booking in guests. Like our 24-hour, we did a 24-hour show. We had 24 guests. They were all like guests that we had in tech. We just text, met, like sent texts to our mates and said, hey, will you come on? It was very loose like that. But, um, yeah, I think we did like five or six female guests in a row because I'm like, like we just need to recalibrate. Like, I actually think that there's something to this we need to be recalibrating. And also just if all of this stuff is so unconscious, I I feel like a little bit of consciousness in it's not going to affect the quality. No, it's not bringing anything down. It's just yeah, 
it's pushing it into a new space. Like I think for for me, like that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know if it's coming mm-hmm. off. All of these things are just a constant, like it's a journey. I don't think you ever really get to the end point. But can I, as a woman, tackle all these different topics in a way that's really broad and have can I get to a place where I have as many men listening as women Mm -hmm. and not because it's not about like seeking the approval. It's not about seeking the approval of men or anything like that, but it's just that you've taken that stereotype or that cliche of like a chick with a microphone talking about what's on her mind Mm -hmm. and have that not feel like a, you know, have it not feel like a quiz from girlfriend magazine. Yeah. Is there like is there internal misogyny wrapped up or in that idea? Yeah, I think so. Because ultimately shouldn't matter, but it does. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the fact that men might not listen to me matters hugely to me. Mm. Because wrapped up in that is the fact that it's important that men do listen to me because mm-hmm. we've been told our whole lives that the opinions of men are more valuable than the opinions of women. So, yeah, there's a whole heap of internalized misogyny in that because it should really be enough to have, you know, it should it should be enough for me to have women listening to me, but it's not because the opinions yeah. of men are that much more important. But also, like, for, for, for me, the reason why we have, like, think about, like, so why do you think about, like, uh, minorities or what like or why do you think about like um underrepresented voices or these types of things and for me it's like there is i have accepted with the little knowledge i have on most things like i just listen to smart people and and decide and there's a bunch of things that i don't know right like people will and that's why your book is is so great because it's like i don't necessarily know all the arguments but i've like got a bunch of people that I listen to and I respect. I do a bit of research, but I don't know every single argument. But um, like, so the reason why I'm really comfortable with what we do is because the power in balance is in our favor. And so for me, it feels like there's no, nothing to lose in giving some of that up. Uh, and so I, my thing is like, okay, what's the worst like even that, like I don't have an issue with, you know, like being like even that person saying, "Hey, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to make it because you, you know, you're two blokes." For me, I it, it I don't mind. I completely get it. It's like okay, like yeah, that's like I think that if we believe in a meritocracy or if we believe in just like our value, if we believe that we can bring something, like. And maybe that's the male trait. Maybe that's the male part of me that is so arrogant to think that even with everything, like if we, you know, give everything, like give the opportunities, give the grants, give the like spotlight, like we'll work it out. Like, like I have no doubt that we'll find an audience, um, and we don't necessarily need a leg up, if that makes sense. Does does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes no, that makes no, that makes sense. So what would your what would your advice to me be then to create cuz well, basically like what what, uh, what you've dude, got like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can you I can uh, give you advice. I can, can you co- I can ask you a question. <laughs> I can ask you a question, you can come up with the answer. Well, because you <laughs> you've got an audience that's pretty close to mm-hmm. pretty close to 50/50. Yeah. So do I continue thinking very deeply about how to maintain that balance or am I better off just having the conversations with whoever comes across my path and letting that be what it is? Mm. So do you think you'll like your community as much, and this goes into the internal misogyny stuff, if you had a 95% female community and you um like I always like thinking big. You go to like you know, a big stadium, like Oprah style, and it's like a bunch of people like woo, like like what face what faces like who do you see in the crowd? Do you think? I I definitely I see a mix 
for sure. Yeah. Because like with, so I have Z feed and that is 90% women, 90% mm-hmm. young, young women. And I, I love that community and I think it's fantastic. But then sometimes I do feel like it's talking into the echo chamber a little bit and the people who most need to hear the message mm-hmm. aren't there. And those women very may well tell their dads, brothers, male friends, colleagues about what they've read potentially, but it does sometimes feel like you just want more diversity in the audience as well for the messages Mm -hmm. to be do as much good in society as they can. However, that comes with its own problems because if you're thinking about creating for an audience, what you create will change if the feedback you get from that audience changes with the composition of it. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm very lucky that I have a co-host that's very different to me. Mm. And so like that's like being the biggest friction of our whole journey, but it's the thing that people love the most, which is like this very annoying thing to great content or great sort of interaction. And so that for us, I think, has created a... So, for instance, say if if there was two Josh Jansons, potentially we like, you know, we would um, be criticised of being like maybe too lefty or maybe like just like pandering or things like that or uh if uh, tj you know had two tommy jackets it would be like oh this is just a bloke fest and so that's but i think that so that's the thing that has created an armor for us but i think it's very hard i think it's very hard as an individual creating content because it's very hard to separate you from the channel and so It's so vulnerable yeah. because you are, yeah. you know, the work is is you. You can't People say hate that. the content. They hate you and it's very hard. Like it's, like it's, a, hard, it's a hard thing to um, – people would say, oh, no, that's not, not the case. But it's like that's how it feels when you are – if you are an individual. Um, it's absolutely so how that's, it feels, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what would I do? I think that – I think it is problematic to to view it in a way where you are trying to reverse engineer the audience that you want because I don't think that we set out two and a half years ago to have the audience that we have. The audience found us based on what we were saying. And so I think that there needs just to be a level of detachment and to say, I'm going to do stuff. Like, I think that if your sensibilities are around all of this, you're going to create content that is for that group. Mm. Right? Like, I think that's who they going, are. Exactly. I think that's going to come through your content sensibilities rather than, and I think that the thing is that's way more nuanced. Like, it is very slow. The audience will pick you. You don't pick the audience. I really like that. Your people will find you no matter who they yeah. are. And it probably it's does. too hard. It's too, like. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm clearly fucking exhausted <laughs> trying to like yeah. think about it and find like, you know, balance the people mm. you want to talk to and who you want to have on. I mean, I think I my hope for where this all goes is that we move towards exactly what you are saying in terms of finding people who are picking up what you're putting down, basically, regardless Mm -hmm. of who they are. I feel like younger generations, like I've done a lot of research and work with Gen Z and they're kind of pioneering this whole gender fluidity movement. So it's entirely possible that, you know, within two decades, this won't even be a conversation and it will just be around personalities or proclivities and not about gender at all which would be a really amazing place to be. And I'm not naive enough to think that that won't have its own, you know, that won't have its own problems and that still is as much speaking into an echo chamber as anything else. But I kind of hope that's where it goes. Mm. I mean, you were the one that said um, it's none of your business what other people think about you. Sure did. That got a lot of, um, (laughs) that got more attention than I thought, that comment. (laughs) 
And so, like, no, I get it. I 100% get it. It's, but it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because it mm. feels like it's, um, like what you're describing now is trying to engineer your product, which is so closely attached to you to try and manipulate people into liking and consuming your content. And so, like, that is the fine balance that we're in. If you, Oh, absolutely. It's like I'm yeah. I'm the person who would say I don't want I don't care if people like me. Mm-hmm. But I really care that people respect the work that I do, which is just a different way mm-hmm. of saying I care that people like me. Yeah. You can't have I think the one thing that I've learned is you can't take uh the praise. And so that's like that's one of the big things. It's like when people say nice things, when we read out like some sort of Apple podcast review, I, it doesn't actually enter in, like I say, like, thank you, that's so lovely, that like means a lot, but I actually don't let it enter into my psyche because I know that if I do that, unfortunately, it's the same tunnel where like the shit comes from. Yeah, yeah. And, you can't so only you, take that. You can't yeah, only take exactly. the praise and not the and not the shit. Yeah, and so then it's like working out. It's a, a fucked up thing doing a podcast because you then, you've got that plus people like stuff that you don't like. Like you, as I said, you do a show and people are like, that's the best ever. And you thought was shit. And so part of it is detachment. And if, if it is detachment, which is a hard pill to swallow, um, it is consistency over a long period of time, day after day, doing small little things until you create the thing that you want. And it won't happen through like, just brain power, it will be the synthesization of all of this stuff together. It will be like you're listening. It's your, like it's this intuition versus this sort of forced play. Great advice. Well, I don't like giving advice <laughs> and that was that was definitely only because you prompted. Look, I, I feel it, like it, I've spoken too much. It's solicited I feel like, advice. Yeah. yeah, I think I've spoken too much potentially and so please edit it down. And no I way. do, I, I no, feel you, like the... No, hang um, on. You didn't edit me. That was part of <laughs> I know, the fear. This same. I'm going to be crying when I get home and, and Brie will have to console me. <laughs> Thanks for having this chat with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. If you have any thoughts or opinions or feelings or suggestions about gender bias in content creation and content consumption and the media and all of it... My DMs are always open, so please feel free to ping me there on Instagram or send an email to hey at zfeed.com.au. And if you think the world needs more of these big, good conversations about the shit that really matters, please share Debatable with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, and just keep talking about it all. We're going to change the world one conversation at a time.